0: So, when we decide to listen, we're listening with our whole body in sense of our mind, our heart, our soul, and this idea of mindset is coming to the fore for me just now, because, given where we are in the world and all that's going on, we'll be listening for information, we'll be listening with empathy, and we'll be listening through our own perspective i e how we view the world, and so And we are, I think, easily moved by all that we are witnessing and we're seeing across social media, the impact that's having on people. And so I think the thing I'd love to share about listening, the gift I'd love to share or the tip would be about thinking about your mindset for listening. Listening with a mind that's open, with a mind that is free of judgment so that we can be open to the stories of each other. And hold a space for people to share their stories.
1: I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany. And this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn. And I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Without fully understanding ourselves, how can we even help others to feel like they're safe and heard, whether at home or at work? Author Jane Adshid Grant recently published the book called *The Listening Coach*. It's a practical pocket guide to help you coach yourself through the elements of listening that are critical in life, in business, and even in your community. Jane has more than thirty years' experience as an HR practitioner and a professionally trained and accredited executive coach within the professional and financial services. In this episode. Jane talks about the five levels of listening to support us on our listening journey. She shares stories about why self-listening is a must before actually being able to listen to others well. Enjoy listening in. Welcome back to the Listen In podcast, Jane. We had an interview, I think it was about a year ago, so it's really wonderful to have you back. And to dive deeper into listening because a lot has happened since the last time that we spoke. You even have a new book that just came out, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. When you think about listening and your own journey, when did you start to notice the power of listening? It worked or it didn't work? And maybe you can share a story around that.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me back. It's a real pleasure to be here once more, Raquel. And gosh, what a beautiful question. As I reflect on that, I realise that I discovered the impact of listening way before it became part of what I do each and every day. And I don't mean just hearing, I, I truly mean listening. So I grew up in a perhaps less conventional setting back then, where my parents separated when I was seven. And divorced by the time I was 10. And I grew up in an environment that was absent of listening. And as I reflect on that, I noticed that my role as a child was listening to my parents independently, particularly actually when I, when I was a teenager. So my parents Once they divorced, we lived with my mother for a year and then she moved away and for the rest of all of my teenage years until I moved away from home, lived with my dad and my brother. And that's what I mean by being a little unconventional. Back then, parents may have divorced, although I was the only child in my school, um, my school, my class at that time, whose parents were going through a divorce. And But I was certainly the only person who lived with their father. And so I noticed the impact of my parents not listening to one another. And I listened to and observed the hurt of words and what that can do to a relationship. And I hadn't realized its significance until many, many, many years later. And so I think when I was, my listening journey began rather subtly unknowingly and what i discovered was that in my listening to my parents free of judgment not needing to solve i was only a kid and so i didn't even think about that but what i did notice that as they unburdened themselves they seemed to be calmer they seemed to be clearer and i didn't always understand what they were saying raquel quite frankly but i realized the impact of my presence And being there was something that was very liberating for them.
1: So what you described to me is the process of their getting the divorce was very hurtful and where there was a lot of not listening happening. Over time, you noticed that your presence and just not trying to fix things, you were just there, I don't know, observing with non-judgment, you mentioned just being there, that that had an impact on your parents. And did you notice this individually or did you notice this when you were all together? I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, individually. I mean, I don't remember very many times when they were together. What I remember is, you know, in car journeys, for example, uh, my brother might have been asleep and um, my dad would be, you know, talking about his day or, um whatever situation he was finding himself in and I'd be listening and with my mum so I didn't see her that often but when I did uh, it was the same and so I I realized that through my experience I discovered that a lot of the time was listening to create more harmony because I hated the disharmony and I think that experience strengthened me as a human being to recognize how we behave, the words we use in relationship can really lift one up or it can pull us apart and I didn't realize any of this, Raquel at the time. This is the work that I you know have been reflecting on. You said a lot's happened in the past year, the past few years since we last spoke, for sure. And this is all part of my own journey of reflection in discovering more of my own personal journey to where it all began.
1: So I have a question and this question about your story, and this question comes from my own experience because I also have parents that divorced and I was around nine at the time, so a similar age. And what I remember that sometimes when my parents, well, I would say specifically my mom would actually never, my mom is not the type of person to say anything negative about anybody. So at the time it was, you know, probably a little bit more for my dad that he would say something a little bit hurtful or something judgmental about my my mom. And I remember at that time, like there were things that I listened to and I knew they were truth, or and I, knew, I knew what was true and what was not true when I looked back but i never said anything but i remember listening to my parents or to the adults and having a really deep feeling of what was true and what was not true and recognizing that some of what they said was not was not true even though it came from a place where they were trying to make sense of things for themselves but i knew that it was it was not truth and i can't that's the best way i can explain it and i'm i'm just curious if you had an, a similar experience or if you can take what I just shared and explain that better than I am right now.
0: Oh, I think you explained it beautifully and I can relate to that hugely. And I think that's what I found so hurtful is in sharing words and thoughts that what I now realize was coming through their worldview and it was how they felt at the time. So again, I think this has really supported and served me in being able to listen to sometimes very difficult conversations, and the the strength that I was able to find wasn't because I had the privilege of being listened to by my parents. Rather, um, I was very involved in our church um, as a young person, and and actually that was my refuge. And I had a we had a wonderful minister and a youth group, and I felt very listened to, very included in that environment. And my faith grew. And I think in that space enabled me to, you know, look for the goodness in others. And that's what I chose to do and continue to do. And so part of my ongoing journey of listening to others is the philosophy of seeing the goodness in them and letting them know, sharing that, and hopefully role modeling that so that you know in in times where stress is around or you know people see things from different perspectives is to acknowledge that one doesn't have to accept that those perspectives are new or rather um that you agree with them, but we can acknowledge them as a human being
1: so what part of also what you're describing is i mean giving really paying attention to the person you're listening to and appreciating who they are and what who they are as as humans and letting them know you know often we are so busy we forget to let people know to notice and let people know and you're very good at this and I'll tell you you've done this often with me and it always feels good so thank you but it, you also describe in this process of your story and then relating it to seeing the goodness in others that you have really taken time to listen to yourself I think it's what you call self-listening. And I was wondering if you could tell me what you're learning or discovering about self-listening and maybe share a story around that.
0: Yes, for sure. Well, thank you. Well, this idea of self-listening was introduced by me by um, actually a mutual friend, Oscar Trimboli from Australia. We were on a, a conversational a wee while ago. And and he shared a little bit more about this. And I really related to this idea. And and I think it's also very similar to the work that I do in teaching generative listening. And that enables people to think independently well for themselves. And self-listening is a little like that. I describe self-listening as a way of being whereby we pause, we reflect, and we think about getting really present with ourselves. What am I noticing in my own body right now? What am I saying to myself? The thoughts I'm having, are they holding me back? Are they limiting me or are they liberating me? And so we connect deeply with ourselves. And the other part of self-listening is around understanding more about who we are. So what is it we stand for? What really matters to us? And so my journey in discovering more of, or putting a language to, I think this is what I'm finding, Raquel, um, is putting a language to a practice that I've done for many, many years, this idea of self-listening. And for me, self-listening is where listening begins. Because in order to listen well to another, we have to be able to listen to ourselves well. And in my experience, we can listen to ourselves with compassion, and equally, we can listen to ourselves critically or even in combat with ourselves. And so for me, the practice of self listening is an art and it's one worth mastering because when we do take the time, we get to learn more about ourselves and strengthen the resolve, the resilience within so that we can be so present for another in listening to their story, their journey. Where they're stuck and helping them to connect more deeply with themselves because we've been through that ourselves.
1: So, have you experienced this with someone else where they gave you this gift of listening in a way that taps into this resilience, you know, that taps into share, you know, the, this, this really a big presence that someone gave you so that you were able to? Um, listen to yourself or to to think through whatever you had on your mind?
0: Yes, all the time, twice a week. <laughs> so I am very fortunate. So in the work that I do, inspired by Nancy Klein and the work of Time to Think, I share and train other people in this idea of generative listening. And because of my practice as a teacher and a faculty mem- member of Time to Think, I get to connect with colleagues of mine in the faculty and friends who I've met through my journey of discovering time to think over the past eight years now. And so we have these regular thinking sessions each week. Sometimes they are simply five minutes each way. Other times they're 45 minutes but what this practice is, it is them bringing their generative attention. And in this case, we take it in turns. But when they give it to me, what I've discovered is this environment that they, we create together is incredibly safe. It's very nurturing. And their attention is generative because I know they're not going to interrupt me. And I know that they're listening free of judgment. And because of that, Raquel, I'm able to listen deeply to my thoughts, to my feelings and express them. And what I notice is that I begin to figure stuff out. I begin to make connections with things I haven't done before. And so this idea of being listened to at this level helps me hugely in the presence of another And equally, because I've discovered it with another, I also have regular listening to myself independently by myself. So a practice that I enjoy massively is walking. Um, Only this morning I've been out for a lovely walk. We're blessed with some beautiful weather right now. And spend the time quietly reflecting, thinking about this conversation, connecting with what I'm grateful for this morning as I looked around and across the fields And so this art of listening to self is amplified when I'm in the presence of somebody else's generative attention, but equally I can do it for myself regularly, taking a pause in the day, whether it be first thing, whether it be lunchtime or night, whenever it is, to connect deeply with myself.
1: And um, I'm going to just make the assumption that you're enjoying yourself more all the time.
0: It's a great assumption but I love to share a story with you briefly because sure. <laughs> I am I just honestly I feel incredibly blessed and part of it actually is taking a little bit more time out for me last year was a bit of a, a sprint in terms of you know work life home life navigating different things that were going on and so this year I've deliberately taken more space um, through my work and community work. And actually, as a result of that, having more time to listen to myself and connect with everything has been wonderful. But this practice of deep listening to self, I include in all of my trainings. And so I'll give people the opportunity to take just five minutes and whether we're in person or even online. And I set it up to share that this is a time now to simply pause. You know, given what we've been talking about, we've been learning together or we've been having, you know, dialogue on now is just to connect deeply with yourself to, you know, think about how are you feeling right now? What are you noticing? What are you saying to yourself? And if people want to close their eyes, they can. I invite them to have their feet firmly on the floor to have a sense of groundedness and I'll set a timer and we'll be together, but we'll be quiet in silence, listening to ourselves, And most often people say, that was remarkable. And sometimes, I, I mean, I had one gentleman that said, during that listening to myself, I asked myself the question, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? <laughs> and, and he came back into the ground and said, I realized that I no longer want to be the sole driver of my business. I discovered in that five minutes that I'm going to reach out and um, move into a kind of partnership with others in my space. And I'm going to work less, but have as much impact as I've always done, but in a different way. And you could physically see the shift in this person's face and a lightness as he came in back into, into the round with the rest of us. So that was an incredibly valuable five minutes of listening to self, one that would transform the next few months, years of the way he was running his business. Conversely, I had a lady in a group recently and she didn't enjoy it. She said, I found that really, really hard. And the reason why I think sometimes people find it hard is because they're just not used to it. We are living in an environment which is peppered with interruptions, with distractions, with people asking you stuff, with people telling you what to do. And it's very rare. It's still quite radical. Whereas some people may draw an analogy or a similarity between this five minutes listening to self with a a kind of meditation, which I can appreciate. It can be. It could very well be similar to that or a kind of mindfulness. But I was struck by the challenging experience this was for one of the delegates and i appreciate her for being so open because it is radical and it can be difficult and so it takes time it takes time to quieten our mind quieten our mind free from the things that we think we need to get going on and be doing but simply to be to be present with ourselves in that moment and connect down
1: deep with who we are and who we're being yeah that's beautiful you know, that reminds me of someone in, in one of the, the training programs I was doing. Someone said that they, re- they realized that the reason why they don't stop talking is because they're afraid to listen to themselves. Wow. Yeah. And, but that awareness was huge. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And what a, what a great, great awareness to have. Yeah. And to speak that out loud, that's, you know, the start of starting to be comfortable with this, right? With the silence and the gift it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. So would you share with me in your, in this journey that you started, you know, you shared your journey of when you started as a child with listening. And so perhaps you can share with me a little bit about your, your, what you've really discovered, you know, you've talked about finding language you've talked about becoming aware of what you were doing back many many years ago and how that has influenced maybe your approach or what's important to you now and you've also talked about this journey of self-listening and what that has done for yourself as well as how this how this practice is influencing people that you work with what are some other discoveries or new discoveries that you have made in the past five years in your listening journey?
0: Mm, Thank you. I'd love to build on this idea of the new language. And um, I share their beginning with self-listening. And one of the things that I've discovered and seen different levels of listening and in my book, The Listening Coach, I describe five levels of listening. And again, I think this is putting language to to things that we already know, but helps perhaps the listener's, um, in our conversation just now relate to this. So one of the key things I've discovered is that these five levels of listening, which is listening to self, which we just talked about, another level is pretend listening. Now some of you will be familiar with this and we will certainly know when we do it and then certainly know when others doing doing it, whereby we're simply pretending to listen. We might give off the kind of idea of the occasional nod or looking at an individual. But in reality, our mind is elsewhere. We're not really listening, we're simply pretending. Another level of listening is factual listening. We're listening to the information to gain new knowledge, to gain experience. And listening for the facts and information is a level of listening that will help us to discern what we're going to do next. And how do we move forward based on the information and the facts that we've just heard? And then we move to another level, fourth level, empathetic listening, where we're listening not only to the facts of what someone is sharing with us, but also their feelings. And also, when we're listening empathetically, our mind is open to seeing and wanting to listen for others' perspectives. How might they be seeing the world? What might be going on for them? So that we can begin to seek to understand From their perspective rather than simply our own. And of course, with empathetic listening, we'll have the clues from the nonverbal cues, the nonverbal body language that they're giving and communicating to us. And then finally, the fifth level is generative listening. We spoke about this quite a lot in our last interview, didn't we, Raquel? And generative listening being where I think this is the ultimate level of listening. It's a listening where we're in partnership with them and we are generating the very best in each other in terms of helping somebody move on from empathetic listening we're helping them become unstuck to find a new way forward to feel differently about how they were feeling before if they wanted to feel something differently and so generative listening is this idea of giving our attention a palpable respect for who they are what they say and where they go on to say what they go on to say next and generative listening embodies a number of skills that requires us as the listener to be at ease ourselves, to be encouraging, to help them to think beyond what they thought, where they thought they might have thought before. And it's to ask questions, questions that will ignite their mind, to to enable their mind to play rather than simply obey. And so in my experience, my learning I have is that of these five levels, that in reality, we will be listening in any of these levels throughout our day. There'll be moments when we are simply pretend listening. You know, we might be at the checkout in a supermarket and have asked an individual how they are, and then suddenly we get distracted and we're not really listening to their story or how their day has been, despite the fact we've asked them. And there'll be times where we'll meet people and we'll engage in empathetic listening to let them know that we're right there with them and that what they're saying really matters. And there'll be other times when somebody will come to us with a problem, an issue, a challenge, and we'll be able to listen generatively to help them figure it out for themselves. And the key thing is to notice, to notice which level of listening am I in? What level of listening will really serve the person that I'm with just now
1: to the very best? I love these five levels of listening. And I think they're, they make things so clear. And when we become aware of these different levels, then it helps us to become not only aware of what we might be doing by chance, but it can also help us to be more intentional to how we want to approach a situation or to approach a person or shift in that conversation depending on what the needs are or what's happening. I have a few questions about these different levels as you describe them. So we talked about the self-listening with the pretend listening. You know, I've thought a lot about this from a perspective of what, how we teach children or how children are taught listening in school. Not that people or children are taught that much about listening in school, but, but often this, you know, sit up straight focus, you know, this type of thing, what the teachers say I was thinking, oh, you know what, that's that's actually teaching us how to pretend listening. That's what we teach. That's not real listening. I was just thinking, if you were to share how you would teach to listen versus pretend listening, what would you say?
0: Mm, that's such a lovely question. And it's so true, isn't it? I've never thought about it in that way before, how we teach children, you know, pay attention, sit up straight, listen to listen to your teacher. Um, So yeah, so I would share with others discerning when we pretend listening. So it's not a level of listening that we aim to be in. But the reason I include it in the five levels is because it is one that we fall into regularly, perhaps because of that very reason you've just described as a child, we're taught what it looks like. And so I would share listening. So to move away from pretend listening is to say that listening is an active skill it requires giving attention not simply paying attention and so part of when we're listening is we're we're listening to not only what someone is saying but we also notice the impact what they're saying has on us we're also listening and giving attention to the environment is the is the environment conducive to our listening I remember I was out for lunch with my mum just recently and we'd gone to a beautiful you know pub for lunch and it was very noisy, and you know, Mum leaned in and said, "You know, I'm really struggling to listen, Jane." She was almost cupping her ears, and it dawned on me that, of course, when I or when I teach listening, I'm sharing with people that you know, listening is an active skill. It requires us to give our attention, and giving our attention to the other person and what they're saying and, and what they go on to say. And also to to the environment, you know, is it conducive to listening? And so there'll be times when we'll do all we can to mitigate the disruption and things that prevent us listening well. And also, I will recommend to people that when we listen to another as a human being, we'll have a response, we'll have a reaction to what they're saying. And it is to notice that reaction And then to quieten it once more so that you can continue to give your attention to the speaker. So here's what I would share as the ways of how listening, you know, you you can demonstrate listening by noticing these things as opposed to pretend listening.
1: So what I, what really sticks out for me when you describe this story, which is a beautiful story, you know, what's the difference between giving attention versus paying attention? And what are the conditions that are needed in me, around me, in the environment, so that I'm able to fully give my attention in this moment versus just paying attention to what's going on? It's beautiful. That's much more active. I hadn't really thought of it that way. The other thing I would love to ask you is When it comes to generative listening, I know we talked a lot about this in the last podcast. And what I loved what you said is, you know, generative listening is when we're listening in partnership with each other and also generating the best in each other. So maybe I'll say that again. You say that in generative listening, we're in partnership and generating the best in each other. We're following each other. And it's like, we're on this journey together to see where, where are we going to go? What are we going to discover? It's like taking a trip you a road trip together. It's not about already knowing and then sharing it with each other, but it's about, you know, we're, we're on this trip, we're walking down this path. What do you see? What do I see? What do we see together? Where's this taking us? And what can we discover with each other? And it seems what you also said that really stuck out with me is this generative process is not about knowing and obeying, it's about playing. It's about how do we ignite the play in us? How do we d- ignite the discovery in us to go beyond where we've been before.
0: Mm, and very valid. And and I think what comes to mind in that what you've just shared is a little of education. In terms of what is it that gets us stuck when our thinking takes us down a hole, a deeper hole, and we feel a bit stuck. And so, the educative part of me in that would be to share the fact that one of the things that we've discovered and learned in my work with Time to Think and Nancy Klein is that, you know, life is complex. And in order for us to make meaning and sense of the world, we need to make assumptions. And you shared an assumption earlier. And it is the way that we relate to each other, ourselves and the environment. And so the educative part is to suggest that in every day, we're making assumptions all the time, many, but some of those assumptions will limit us and others will liberate us. And so a playful way, in my experience, is to bring and surface assumptions, bring them to, on top of the table. You know, what might you be assuming that's stopping you from, you know, moving forward on this adventure? And so we begin to bring in assumptions, helping people recognize for themselves, oh, gosh, yes, I've been assuming this for ages. And then we can challenge the assumptions as to their truth or not. Because what we've discovered is that actually what holds us back in life, what gets us stuck is an assumption that is actually untrue and limits us. And yet we live it as if it's true. And so a way to release that and to make it more light is to invite people to think of a liberating assumption instead. Once again, we're going to invite the mind to play rather than obey. So one of the things that I was in conversation with earlier this week with one of my fellow thinking partner faculty members was this idea of future focused questions. Those are the questions that can help us move forward And so if we phrase a question around a situation, a challenge that we have that will help us move forward, that can liberate us to think of new things, possibilities that we hadn't thought of before. For example, simply, what new perspectives could we look at this challenge with? If we knew that we had what it took to move forward, what would we do now? these questions start to liberate our mind to become more playful.
1: I've noticed that just becoming aware of the assumptions is a huge piece of that unblocking um, because often we're not even aware. So to brainstorm uh, what assumptions we might have is huge. And then at least in the, from the book, then you ask them which assumption might be the one, the one that's blocking them right now, right? And people always seem to know, they know it. And what always surprises me too, even if they may not always ask know what the question means exactly, they always seem to have an answer. <laughs> you know, what's the positive opposite of that assumption? Even the questions that you asked right there, you know, if we knew what we had or if there were new perspectives on this challenge, I mean that's another way that could probably tap into that future thinking or shifting that assumption into one that then opens the mind to move past that, and to have new ideas. And if even if we don't have the full solution, or we don't know exactly what to do, usually there's a next step that we know we can do. And that influences our feeling of being able to probably t- be in charge again, or we feel like we know what we can do, we feel this a sense of power again, because the assumptions leave us powerless. And this gives us power again, to move forward. So a very active process. So Jane, you talk about how to unblock us through questions that are a future focus. You also mentioned when you were talking about the generative listing to ask questions that ignite play. Can you give me some examples of questions that ex- that ignite play?
0: Yes, so those we would call incisive questions and incisive questions coming from the work of Nancy Klein and the thinking environment are those that are deliberately formed in a way that have a hypothetical in their frame and a subjunctive is the tense. So a question that invites the mind to play is one that would start, if you knew that, and then we would place in there a liberating assumption. So, for example, if you knew that you had all it would take, and then the subjunctive, how would you? And then you end that question with whatever it is the individual wanted to accomplish. How would you run that marathon? So, a question that would um, ignite play is it's, its future focus. If you knew that you had everything you need, how would you run that marathon? And so, what happens then? The mind begins to play. And um, so, for me, mindset of listening is, is, a, is another key part. It's fundamental. I love to describe it as thinking about what is the asking myself and encouraging others to think about what is the mindset in which I'm about to listen or my own mindset for listening each and every day. And I love the work of Carol Dweck. I'm sure you're familiar with it, Raquel, in her book, Mindsight and Power of Getting to Our. Full potential. And, you know, talking about a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And I think it applies to listening too. For us, first of all, ourselves, if we apply the mindset of growth mindset, I believe we can all deepen and develop our listening skills to a deeper level. I'm still working progress myself and I'm on that journey and I will be, I think, till the, my dying day. So we can apply a mindset of growth for ourselves. And equally, when we're listening with a mindset of the people with whom we're listening to apply that growth mindset, so we listen for the potential, we listen for the possibility in others. And I think today more than ever, given the world we're in and all the news that we're seeing right now and the the challenges and the tragedy we're seeing coming out of Ukraine and Russia, and actually more broadly, you know, war is going on in other countries, you know, Syria, Yemen and Middle East and you know these people coming out of these countries and we can find ourselves we talked earlier that it can be very difficult to listen to some of the stories we're hearing coming across the news and so the mindset of when we have a mindset of what's possible is to look at the goodness of these people and to see the strength and resilience that they are fostering up amongst themselves And I think the last thing I'd love to say about mindset is coming back to where we began today and listening to self is that in order for us to listen well to another, we need to listen first to ourselves. Because when we listen to ourselves and connect with who we are, we begin to develop a sense of stability. And it's in that stability that others can seek refuge in us.
1: What you're saying is so, so important. It's so important. Because there's so much going on in the world, and I think we all struggle a little bit with a lot, perhaps, with what to do, what to pay attention to, or to give attention to, how to help, how to react, you know, versus respond. So there's a lot going on, and the mindset, it's a a great reminder of how to approach some of these really difficult situations and challenging situations so that we can be good for everyone, right? (laughs) For as a society. So Jane, is there anything else that you um, would like me to ask you that I haven't asked you so far um, for this particular podcast?
0: I'm really struck by we've talked today about playfulness in listening. And I think that's such a wonderful uh, theme. And I guess I would just love to simply add to that, that just this past week, I felt very blessed by a gentleman who, a, yeah, a guy who I used to work with and we haven't seen each other for 20 years. And he's somebody who joined me and worked on my team. And when I was in uh, an HR role in an investment bank, and he spent a year with us and we'd been in touch since, you know, since he moved on and He's now living in America and he joined us as a junior. He was in his early 20s and did a fantastic job. And we stayed in touch from time to time. But he reached out just last week to say, Jane, I'm going to be coming to the UK with my family and I'd love to meet up. And I was so touched because, you know, it's 20 years since we've seen each other and he's gone on to do amazing things as a vice president in a very well-known social media company now um, within People Focus Role. And so I made the trip to London to connect with him and his family. And in catching up with him, I took a copy of my book to share with him and also a copy of my coaching cards called the listening deck, 30 coaching cards to help you listen in fun and meaningful ways. But the, what I wanted to share with you was the fact that I gave them to him and he's got two um, teenage boys and the reaction to this deck of cards by these youngsters was phenomenal. So much fun! They took the deck, they flipped open the cards, they just randomly picked up one or two, and one of them was one was um, eliminating distractions, one of the key skills. And the young uh, Cole said to his brother Ryan, "This is for you. You need to do this. Whenever I'm speaking to you, you never um, you're always playing with your phone or whatever again." And then they picked up, "Don't interrupt." And then they showed that Mum, this is what you need. You always interrupt me. I'm just sharing something with you. And so I just wanted to share that brief story with you that it just warmed my heart not only to see this you know amazing young man who's you know done so well for himself from when we worked together 20 years ago and the meeting his family but sharing these coaching cards around listening was just phenomenal. Around listening was just phenomenal. So listening at all levels in all contexts um was something that was so meaningful for me in that moment.
1: If you want some fun way to play with your family around this topic, the listening cards, the listening deck is a perfect way to do that. We'll add the link to the book and to the listening cards at the bottom of the, in the notes of this podcast. And the book is called The Listening Coach. So it's about coaching yourself through the elements of listening that are critical in life, business, and our communities. And in this interview today a lot of a lot of this has been weaved through our conversation and so i'm really i'm sure that our listeners will really enjoy your book is there anything else that you'd like to share from your book so that listeners know how that can really support them
0: well thank you yes i'd love to say that it's written in a way of, of like a workbook so the book is peppered with lots of real life stories some of my coaching conversations and other interviews I've had with leaders across various businesses. And so there's lots of stories to amplify the message. And equally, there's time, there's activities. So at the end of each chapter, there are activities that you can apply for yourself, your team members, with your family to deepen your listening skills.
1: It's always a pleasure to speak with you, to connect with you. And I love our generative conversations that we have when we're speaking with each other. We'll add your first podcast also into the notes. So if anybody wants to listen about generative listening and more about that and go deeper there.
0: I do too, Raquel. Thank you again for inviting me back. And always, always being with you is so enriching because of the way that you show up and the space
1: that you hold
0: for each of us always.
1: So if we leave the listeners with anything, it's um, enjoy playing with listening, right? It is. (laughs) just that That's right. just that all right thank you jane i am your host raquel Ark, an american podcasting from germany and this is listen in Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn. And I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of.